When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the DGDC, a united team of design professionals, creatively bound to bring unique inspiration and uncommon perspectives. You can email us listener questions or topic ideas to hello at dgdcpod.com or check out our website, dgdcpod.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at dgdcpod. Plus now you can join in on the conversation. We have a Facebook group. Just pop onto our website and hit the community tab at the top. Now, on with the show. Hello, listeners. This is Nick. Hope everybody's having a fantastic holiday season. Hopefully, you've been able to take a little time off, spend some time with family and friends. Mikkel, Jordan, and I are starting to work on some great new episodes for 2021, but we figured 2020 needs one more episode, and this one was one that I really wanted to put together for all the students out there, anybody that is learning design and has been affected uh, through this year with online learning or virtual learning or some balance of the two. So over the last probably six months to eight months, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of other design instructors all over the country. I got to give a great shout out to my buddy, Andrew Hockrattle. He put on Canceled Con. I'm sure a few of you have probably checked that out already on YouTube. It was a great online creative conference, and I got the privilege to meet a ton of new creative and design educators out there. And over the months, we've stayed in touch, and we were kind of comparing notes here and there about how things were going teaching online. It's such a different kind of, you know, animal when it comes to teaching in class, being one-on-one, having those three hours to really, really make a difference, spend some one-on-one time with the students, do more interactive lectures. But now we've been challenged with doing it on Zoom. And so I reached out to them and I thought, hey, would you like to come on and do a little roundtable discussion about how your year went and what we can do as teachers to not only make the environment better and the learning better, but what students can do or what anyone in the design community can do to better themselves at this point. If you've been affected by having school online or having to do more things remotely, interviews, that kind of things, we wanted to give you some really great tips. So joining me is Mina Kalili, Jorel Gray, my buddy Matt Flick, Vic Davila, and Mitch Goldstein. And we have a fantastic conversation all about the good, the bad, the ugly, but more importantly, the promising things that we could take away from this. There are some silver linings, and it really worked out fantastic. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, our last one for 2020. Can't wait to see you guys in 2021. Here's our interview. Introduce yourselves, uh, where you're at, uh, what's the current situation uh, with your school, and then we can get on to some of these questions and some, some good talk. 
Great. Thanks, Nick. And thanks for, yeah. for inviting me to be here. Um, I, I'm so glad to be in the company of, of all of you fine folks. Really, really glad to be here. So my name is Mina Kalili. Um, I'm a designer and illustrator. Um, I'm currently an assistant professor of design um, at the University of South Carolina um, School of Visual Art and Design. So I teach interaction, uh, typography, and systems. Um, and I do also teach a design foundations course, which I've written um, for the university. Um, and I also serve, I should mention, as um, nationally as the co-chair of the AIGA Design Educators Community Steering Committee. Um, currently, the University of South Carolina, um, I am remote, completely online, um, but there are options to go hybrid if people chose. And we are doing the same thing in the spring of 2021. Great. Perfect. Jarrell. Tell us about you. Hey, I'm Gerald Gray. I teach at a small and scrappy technical school called uh, Madison College in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, and yeah, we went all online. Um, so we had two different kinds of classes. We had online classes that were just, uh, there were no meeting times. It was strictly a, a purely online class. And we had online live classes as well where we actually had dedicated meeting times and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's just a little bit about me, what we've had going on so far. Excellent. Mitch, give us the lowdown. Uh, yeah. I'm Mitch Goldstein. I teach at Rochester Institute of Technology on upstate New York. I'm an associate professor. And um, similar to you guys, we had actually a mixed semester. This past semester, I did one class totally in person or 90% in person, one cl and then two classes completely online, sort of at the student's request, not actually at my request. I wanted to do everything in person. Um, and, and we had a, I don't want to like take over this conversation with the complexities of what we did, but it was, it was complicated, but I think it ended up pretty good um, with some caveats and we can obviously dive cool. into that. Excellent. Matt. Oh, I am Matt Flick um, at, from the Modern College of Design in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I'm, I guess my formal title is Vice President of Program Development and Industry Relations. Um, I'm also an instructor. Um, this past semester, I taught a Business and Ethics of Graph Design course, uh, as well as a portfolio course. Um, we were, I guess, hybrid, but maybe not a traditional hybrid, where our class sizes are always 20 students or smaller. Um, and so we had, if it was a you know Monday-Wednesday class, we had 10 students in on Monday, 10 students in on Wednesday, and then they worked kind of um, kind of asynchronously for the other half of the course. Um, it worked pretty well. Um, I think that you know overall it doesn't compare obviously to having the students in the class full time, um, and a lot of the onus of the course is put back on the students. I think, um, and you know it was cr kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's been you know overall um, been a, been a good year. Um, but this the coming semester, we've decided we're going to go fully remote, um, which is going to be you know a little more interesting, uh, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. But um, the majority of the students wanted to go remote. Um, you know, I think that we were, we just decided to to make the call and, and go fully remote this this upcoming semester. Cool, awesome, Victor. So my name is uh, Victor Davila. Um, let me know if you can't hear me because I got me all paranoid about the microphone. We got you. We got um, you. 
Um, so I teach at the University of Central Florida. Um, I teach design and illustration uh, here in Orlando, Florida. On the national level, I serve on the Design Educators Committee with, with uh, Mina as, a, as well as the uh, incoming President's Council Chair for AIGA and um, amongst a, a few other things. But at UCF for the fall, we were pretty much all remote with the exception of, of some classes being face-to-face. Um, in Florida, come spring, they're pushing us to be a little bit more face-to-face. Um, and I didn't qualify to get a waiver to teach remotely. So, um, but what I did is I found, I, I found a way to be able to teach remotely while still satisfying whatever face-to-face options that they had at the university. Because when all this started, a lot of my students stayed home. You know, Florida was one of the, um, over the summer and, and fall, um, we shut down fairly early. So um, a lot of students stayed home. So I have a lot of students that are in Illinois or Virginia, and um, and that's how they were in fall. So I didn't feel it was fair to make a class even though the government, the governor, and the and the legislator, Florida, legislation of Florida, is kind of like encouraging us to open back up, it didn't seem fair to make some students come back, try to find a lease for five months for one class or something crazy like that. Wow. So I'm trying to work around that and find the loopholes uh, so I can satisfy both all the requirements that everybody has. So for my class, it's going to be mostly um, Zoom meetings for everybody, uh, all virtual. And then I'll open up the lab for those who uh, want to be there face-to-face and masked up. Because I do find, like, like uh, I think somebody said earlier, I do find the, like the, when they work with their hands, it's, it's, a, it's a different beast. So I want to make sure that they, yeah. they get that um, experience that they want to. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I teach at Cal State Northridge here in Los Angeles, and uh, this is my seventh year part-time. I feel like I have like the the best situation because just dealing with one class and one organization that I, I'm the faculty advisor for, it gives me a bit of clarity to be uh, a little more kind of like flexible, especially with what we're going through right now. Um, we've, we just completed, uh, the first full semester that was completely online and virtual. Whereas last semester it was like half because of what happened around, uh, April, May. And then, um, we're on board for the next semester to be a hundred percent virtual as well with, it sounds like, uh, fall is what they're considering. They're planning to say, we'll be, we will be back. Um, So uh, it's nice to at least know that now it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the hardest part of a lot of this has been the, the, just the unknown, you know, and uh, what to do. And I'm curious, I'd love to start the conversation off with you guys, as far as like, what was the biggest uh, worry or what was the biggest challenge even before starting? Uh, let's call it even last semester. Cause that was really the first one that we started uh, with these, with these hurdles. Anybody want to go first with their biggest fear? at the very beginning. <laughs> I think um, Victor actually mentioned something very, very um, uh, on topic here um, that we weren't sure what students had access to what things. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of their geography, I think, you know, Victor, you brought that up. I think that was a, that was something that was uh, very much on my mind. Um, how was I going to teach uh, when I wasn't sure what people had access to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mitch? Yeah. I, I mean, basically the same thing. I was concerned with the students being in it with, with everything else happening 
almost all of which is far more important than learning how to be a graphic designer or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it's deaths and COVID and relatives and stuff that just like learning how to kern was not that important. <laughs> um, and so yeah. I actually found my students were really in it to win it. They were, they were in it. They were not screwing around. And I was lucky where I sort of had some choice about how I wanted to teach. And I did my foundation class in, totally in person. And then seniors were a little more online. Um, and so I think my worry was basically just screwing this whole thing up and wasting everybody's time. I mean, really at a macro level, it was just being worthless. Yeah. Um, but it turned out better than, I mean, I, we could talk about how everybody's kind of reviews went, but mine were shockingly good. Good. Um, and I'm not that good. So I was really surprised. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you were in this class? <laughs> um, and so that was like a really nice surprise in some sense, but I did learn a lot of stuff I screwed up too. So yeah. Anybody Actually else? Ask this. I actually asked the oh, yeah. students at the end of the semester, I give a survey out. And mm -hmm. one of the questions was, did you learn anything of value in yeah. this? <laughs> exactly. Right. Was this 100% yes. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that great? <laughs> well, you know, I felt the same way as Mitch that at the base level, like, are, is this okay that we're still doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. is this a legitimate thing to spend 14 weeks on for now? Well, I yeah. think we're all we're all trying to empathize with our students, and I think to an extent they're empathizing with us. Like well, you know, they kind of see what what would it be like if I was in this situation, and I had you know I'm one person sitting in a class as an instructor. You've got twenty or more, and you're trying to deal with everybody. You know, so I felt like a lot of times the students were just kind of like, yeah, this may be gone astray, or maybe, but they're also kind of like sympathetic a lot of times with the situation that that their instructors are in too. Definitely. Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge, my biggest fear was definitely keeping students motivated and inspired. Like, how do you do that in this setting? But what was interesting was just the biggest challenge was, I don't know about you guys, but keeping up with the workload, uh, you know, thinking about presentations, you know, if you're teaching in person, you kind of have your presentation, you go in, you give it, and then you're interacting one-on-one -on -one and all that stuff. But presentations turn into recording, editing, rendering uploading, posting, and all these other steps, you know, I think that that was the biggest challenge was having just such a, an influx in workload. I had yeah. more students this semester than I've ever had. I think I, I usually average about 65 students and I had like 95 students this semester. Wow. So just, you know, running into all these new challenges and things, I think that it was, it was extremely challenging on, on this end, but um, I'm glad to hear that everyone else kind of had similar <laughs> things where... yes. Students did great, you know, students really stepped up and it, it was a, a really awesome, awesome semester. Is that 95 students in one class? No, not one class. <laughs> I, yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, oh. we, we've, we've got caps at like 30 for, for some classes and then about 25 for others. So, so I'll, I'll add to this too, that uh, one, another one of my concerns was communication. Mm -hmm. Um from their end, yes, that's part of the engagement. How do we keep them engaged? How do we keep them communicating? But also communication from my end. How do I not bog them down with different technology that I'm asking them to adopt? And then on top of that, how do I not um, how do how do I be clear about what my expectations are and not have to continually field 
um, questions about those expectations. So how do I be more proactive than reactive in terms of my communication? And I think I found a really good sweet spot there um, with the way that I handled that. Um, But I was, I'm curious as to what other people um, on this panel uh, encountered in terms of communication devices and uh, ways that they communicated with their students. I, I did uh, something any the, means necessary. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to exactly. say, I mean, I feel like it every was, tool, you know, somebody wants to send Instagram messages and the other one wants to, you know, we use canvas. He was communicating through canvas and the other people want to use email. And then, you know, some students want to use Slack. And so, yeah, I feel like you're trying to streamline that for the sake of the students, but also for the sake of the instructor, because I feel like, yeah. you know, there's the aspect of wanting to stay connected by, any means necessary with students who, Hey, how do you want to communicate? And I'll, you know, I'll do whatever you want to do. But then it also got to the point where you're just getting bombarded from multiple different, you know, areas and trying to keep up with all of them, you know, was difficult too. Yeah. I would say spreading yourself thin was the thing I did not, I didn't realize that was going to be such a thing because you thought I got them here. We're captive, but you're, you're right in that, that way of everyone had a different, form of communication or a way that they were comfortable with it. And I realized that you saw the one kid that was really the, 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 um, the real go-getter would go right to email and be like, boom, 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 boom. And the one that might have been a little bit more like not the biggest hand raiser would get you on Instagram or something else. And you're sitting here going like, you have to cover every one of those. And, and, and I think that's where my, my biggest fear came was that I quickly saw week one, like, where am I going to find the time to do this. And I think when I spoke with all of you around like that first few weeks, we all were kind of in that zone of like, oh my gosh, there's about five extra, 10 extra hours per class that I found were easily happening uh, just for the sake of there was no other way. You, th- you would be leaving someone with, 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 a, with no answer or, or no reply if you didn't do it, you know? Yeah. Finding that off switch is so tough. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you see the effort like that, you don't want to let anyone down. You know, it's like you see them putting in the time and trying to reach out, which is, you know, it's not easy for people to to take the effort to reach out all the time. So, yeah, that's a tough spot to be in is finding that off switch without the, you know, you teach from 8 a.m. to noon Mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, it's it's so much different now. Vic, I'm sorry. I I feel like I interrupted you. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I was going to say one of the challenges that I found was how to pivot. So we started, like I think everybody did, we started face to or um, virtual at the middle of spring semester last year. So we never came back after spring break. So the idea, the, one of the big challenges I found was like how to pivot everything that we've been doing. So in one of my classes, we do these uh, Petra Kucha presentations. Yeah. Um, so maybe less than half the class had already gone face to face. So then it was like, well, how do we do the rest of the class and how do we do presentations? Another challenge we found, I think Amina touched on, is that a lot of the students didn't have the same technology as other students. Mm-hmm. So one student was trying to present, but they didn't have access to a camera, for instance. So we're trying to figure out that way. But um, one of the things that we found, and I think somebody already brought it up, is that they do realize, especially in spring of last year, that we were all kind of like trying to pivot at the same time. So what I found, going back to the communication thing, is that... Um, we always have the students. So I, I kind of I kind of keep it really open. We always have the students that are kind of like the ones that keep track of 
what I'm supposed to be doing too, as opposed to as well as what they're supposed to be doing. So there's, they're my student leaders. And a lot of times they'll text me. It's like, Vic, you said you're going to put this up on canvas. <laughs> yes. and you so you, you might want to do totally. that. So I was like, Oh crap. You're right. So, <laughs> yeah. so they'll keep me honest. So it, was, it almost became like this community thing. Like I'm looking after them. They're looking after me to make sure that everybody's communicating on the same page. And um, God bless those helped, students, man. That, yeah. helped a lot. I, that helped a lot. And sometimes you can identify based on past classes. I, I'll go and ask them, like, hey, can you just remind me if I screw this up? Can you let me know? Yeah. And I always have like, Vic, you forgot to set record. I was like, oh, crap, I have to start <laughs> over again because I forgot <laughs> to hit record or whatever, you know, things like that. So it's, it becomes like this community thing of everybody's trying to figure it out as we go along. So we're all trying to help each other, whether it's teachers or students. But I think to that point, Something that I found that was good and bad was that I actually found it easier to put more onus on the students to have their shit together. Yes. Which I think is not only sort of a big part of learning to be a designer, et cetera, but it's just not physically possible for me to like pay attention to that many students that many hours, mm-hmm. that many yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a straight 14-week semester, no breaks, no nothing, because we wanted to be done by Thanksgiving, which we did. And students were, by week 10, they were done. They were completely burned out, fried out of their minds. Um, the provost, in a very brilliant, very smart move, actually told the faculty to take it easy. Like they, li- she literally wrote a letter saying, "Don't overdo it because people are really losing it." But what I found was interesting was how eighty percent of the students were like, "Cool, I get to really manage my time now. Mm-hmm. Like I really get to run this and pay attention and do it." And twenty percent of the students sort of leaned on it as like, "Oh, I guess I can pull this off." And, and you know, there's always going to be students like that. We allowed for um, up to, I think it was two or three classes could be pass fail mm-hmm. after they got their grade. So they could get their grade and then decide to take a pass or a fail. I think it's fair for students to maybe lean on that. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have any problem. I would do the same thing. But I was, it was interesting that despite the burnout, how many of them were really on top of stuff. Yeah. And I was getting emails like, where is this? Just like you were saying, Vic, like, where is this? Why isn't this up? Blah, 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 blah. And it turns out I was the one who was the least good at that. The <laughs> students were actually fine. Um, there was a lot of like, Mitch, are you even paying attention to me? And I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, I'm getting there. And so that was kind of interesting. I'm uh, curious if you guys had that too. Oh, yeah, every, almost every week. Yeah. I think that was a great surprise, wasn't it? That like, here I was, I thought I had my stuff together. And I was realizing a lot of times if I dropped the ball or something, they were the first to catch it, notify me. And what was great, it was almost like a community driven. I felt like we were actually more of a team than ever before, even though we'd never physically met. And I'd, you know, I I would still think about that almost at the end of every class session. I was like, wow, that, that went, that was much better than I expected. That was the engagement level. Um, And I think you nailed it, Mitch, by saying they were in charge of their own thing without, a, let's face it too, without a lot of other distra- distractions, if they were in their room all day and maybe a lot, some of them have like part-time jobs and we're still doing that, but they were able to concentrate more because of the situation. And, and I, I was pleasantly surprised at how good that went sometimes. Yep. So how, like we had a, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna say, I felt like we had a lot of students who Going into last year, if you'd have said, hey, you know, would you like to work remote? Or what if we just tried this? Early? They all would have signed up for it. Said, oh, yeah, that, I would love to do that. And now mm-hmm. they're all, the majority of them are clamoring for face-to-face. And I wanted, I just want to yeah. get back around my people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that was something that was kind of interesting uh, to see that shift. 
sometimes you get what you ask for type of thing. And all of a sudden it's not what you want, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But it is interesting. So I, I don't know if anyone else here is in a similar or was in a similar position, but um, so uh, University of South Carolina is actually, I think my fourth tenure track position. I moved around a lot. Um, and so I was new here in August of 2019. I was here for about seven months prior to uh, the shutdown. Um, and so I, in terms of my students, and Vic had touched on this, where like, um, you know, students know you, they, they, they're aware of who you are, they sort of know a little bit about your character, um, and what you bring to the classroom. Um, my students didn't have that yet with me, didn't have that relationship yet with me. And somehow, like, it didn't, it did not damper anything. In fact, their, their faith in me, I'll just use that word, um, was so invigorating to the classroom that they really seemed, the, the responses that I got at the end of the semester and even at the middle of the semester, with regard to the projects, the way that things were run, the way that the communication was being handled, um, was so um, just, it felt like the students were inspired. And that is exactly what I was hoping to leave them with in the semester and to lead them through the semester with. So I was really glad to see that. Um, but I that was one of my concerns at the beginning of the semester. Like, These yeah. students don't know me from anyone yeah. And how are they going to put their faith in this course when they have no idea what I'm going to bring to it because I'm new to the university? Yeah, but I'm sure your first impression probably got, it showed the care and it showed the compassion. It showed the enthusiasm. And I think that was the biggest thing you were on. Like, I don't know about you guys, but we, we have a three hour class and I, may, I had them on for three hours every single time. And I, I was hearing that a lot of others were cutting it short. And I was like, not here. So you probably gave them, I think, that that encouragement by just showing you showing up and being prepared, and uh, you know what I mean. And that that first impression, maybe that's a good advantage sometimes too. You know, yeah. 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 I There's actually cut things in in the way of like Monday we would meet for the full time, and on Wednesday I would have these open oh, studio sessions where yeah. the students would come in when they wanted, or just stay the whole time and work the entire time while Excellent. I was working. Yeah. Did you guys do that as well? I did that as well. And I, um, so we had Monday, Wednesday classes and I would try to do all my talking on Monday. And then on Wednesday, I'll do a little bit of talking, which always ends up to be an hour anyway. Cause I, I, I rant as you'll see now. And, um, and then we'll, we'll do like a work time where I was like, don't log off, stay on the thing. You guys can turn on your cameras, leave it off, but I'll just be kind of hanging out working. And if you have any questions and it's the try, it's try to figure out the same way. Like if we're in the classroom, I'd be walking around up and down the aisles, looking mm -hmm. over people's shoulders, trying to see what they do. And we don't have that. We don't have that spontaneous conversation anymore. Yeah. So it was an effort to, to try to do that. I would also randomly put people into breakout rooms to work together without me. So they can talk about me if they want to like gripe about me or talk about design or, or whatever it is that they do, but try to create that cluster mentality that um, not cluster in the same Cluster is a bad word, but uh, that same kind of like group mentality that we would have where people in the classroom yes. would kind of like buddy up and, and work in a corner of the room. Did you, so all, would, did, did you guys use breakout rooms as well? Yes. Yeah. Godsend, uh, man. This is where I'm like the worst teacher in the group here because I do the opposite. 
of staying in class all day. Um, and again, this is something I've had like anxiety about my entire teaching career about whether I need to spend more time just sitting there. But when I was a student, I despised, okay, everybody work until 1050. And just because that's when the class is, it mm -hmm. made me want to strangle the teacher. And so I tell my students straight up that we will never do that. But like when we have class, you better be here and be ready to go. And yeah. they are. And so my classes have been as short as 15 minutes. We go in, it's in the middle of the project. I say, who needs to talk? Two people talk and then we're done. And we're done. And I say, fine. And I'm available and I'm emailable. And, you know, they even, some can text me. Like, I'm really like not hiding or anything. But I don't know. I think it's just in my nature of how I teach to really yeah. say, okay, everybody work now and I'll be here. It's just, I cannot swing that. And I, every semester I'm like, oh my God, I've got to learn how to do that. And every semester I don't do it. I don't I think work. it's wrong. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I work I mean, with my colleagues. Uh, half of my colleagues do that exact same thing, yeah. Mitch, um, mm -hmm. in, in the design uh, concentration. They, half of us do that. And All right, so I'm good. It works really yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to start listening to you guys, man. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, but again, like I'm, I think I'm, it's a comfortable thing to do it because it's just one class and we meet twice a week and I want to give them that like I I've realized too, like going back to fears, my, my biggest fear was Mike, I try to make the class a, uh, a culture and an environment and a, a working situation as if we were a small design team working towards a, a common goal. And so like taking it to the virtual thing, my fear was that I'm going to lose that enthusiasm and everything else. If I don't fill the, 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 the three hours and, and it's a lot of planning. It really is. Cause I like, you want to keep them engaged that whole time. And it was, it was, it would never stop being a huge challenge. You know, each, each meeting, it was crazy. There's, there's, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's a couple of things I do to try to keep them engaged. And I, and back to Mitch's point, I do that to a point too, because especially um, in the senior classes, a lot of our projects, um, I still gave them the option to build a lot of projects by hand. So there's, um, there's sometimes I do like um, work days where um where they don't actually have to show up to the classroom. They can go to Michael's and buy stuff. They can go to the, to the, the print lab and, mm -hmm. and do stuff. I, I'll just hang out there in case they have any questions, but it's like production work days is what I call them. Right. And then they don't even have to show That's up. Great. They just have to, they don't have to check in. They just have to let me know if they have a question. So I think it's just kind of like trying to find the balance based on the students, based on the project. And, and another thing I do more at the beginning of the semester to try to keep engagement um, is I do sprints. I don't know. Does anybody mm -hmm. do sprints? Which, which yeah. I'll do like, I'll show up and like, I'll, sometimes I'll warn them we have a sprint and sometimes I don't. And then I'll say, all right, today we're not working on our project. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be working on a poster and you have to, and, and I give them some topics as to, they might be assigned the, the, the uh, topic or they might, they can pick one themselves, but I can say something like, um, you're going to be doing a poster, but the only digital aspect of the poster is that you take a, take, take a picture of it and the dimensions are your camera size. Otherwise, everything else has to be either done by hand, by written. Um, you have to build stuff. And that kind of having to do something in two hours just kind of like oh, yeah. freaks them out a little bit. And they, and, and, and they hate it until they afterward. And they're like, you know the stupid sprints that you made us do? That's what got me the job because I had to do a test. Yeah. And, totally. You know, for sure. Yeah. So they love it after the fact, but they always hate it during it because they always like pissed at me about it. But, yeah. So. Well, they, they realize how much they can accomplish if they just lock it out and say, okay, I've got a time frame. I need to get this done. It's like, yeah, you can do that all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just like, instead of, well, I've got 15 weeks to work on this. So yeah, I'll get started on it. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. 
It's an eye-opening experience for them because you're right. They see it. And I love when they come back three years later and they're like, remember that little 30 minute thing that, <laughs> yeah, that got me that job. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, funny. that's real world stuff. You know, any, and, any UX designer has to do the whiteboard test. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. it's that stuff that, that, freaks them out in class and then they're like oh wait i can do this when they're yeah, in front of uh-huh. all of the people who are going to hire them I, th- I think something that i've and this is even really not even a covid thing but just in general that i like about the way that i do this is that it forces them to care mm-hmm. like i am not saying okay this is the two hours and 50 minutes when you give a shit you know like you must care for tuesday wednesday or tuesday thursday three hours a week it- it's really like they have to care and they have to be in it and mm-hmm. I think that sometimes that's great and sometimes that's a horrible nightmare and it crashes and burns. Yeah. Um, but I found this semester, it was, it was good. Like, they were in it. I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. That's awesome. Did you yeah. guys so find, I- too, r- quick question, was it – the one of the best things I thought was the virtual learning and the fact that there's this window that you come in through rather than the classroom. I found you – it shed a light on someone if you were if, – if that student was going to be a slacker. Day one. Like – this was the most committed uh, class I had from A to Z student wise. And there wasn't that random one or two that were just kind of like not even in it. And I wonder if this just promotes that thing where you can't get by, you can't get by in the virtual arena with, without participating. Yeah. The people who who were out were actually literally out uh, before midterm. Yes we didn't have a midterm break or anything, but they were out within the first week of October. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it was clear who wasn't doing it and who was. Exactly. Yeah. It was clear. Yeah. Yeah. And competitive. Like we were more flexible than we've ever been though too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, if you, if I'm, I'm being as flexible as I possibly can. And if you still can't get it done, (laughs) then it's just not the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And so that's a, see, now that's an interesting question, which is like, how much babysitting is too much babysitting? I mean, we should be doing zero babysitting at a college level, but like how flexible is too flexible? And I agree that there is like, like I said earlier, there's real life happening here. Mm -hmm. There are people with relatives dying. There are people whose parents are out of jobs. I mean, there's real shit going Mm -hmm. on, right? So having said that, how much, oh, no problem. Oh, we'll bend over backwards for you was kind of not actually doing a whole lot for them. It's actually harming them. And I don't have an answer for that, but it's kind of a yeah. question. Well, I had, yeah. I had two um, I had two events uh, with students this semester. Uh, one was a, um, a, a true mental need, um, mm-hmm. and another was a physical something happened to them. Yeah. But in both instances, they communicated so thoroughly with me that – even if I wanted, if I, if I wanted to give them a hard time, it would have just been me being a jerk because they made it so clear. They had the doctor's notes. They, they had everything that, but I think that just what you said, like the clear communication from Mm -hmm. that student, that's, I feel like a lot of times that's what, that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's when you're constantly like when people are ghosting you and you're like, I have emailed the student, I have sent the messages. I it's like, and they just, there's just nothing there. You know, it's like, that's where it gets hard to be like, okay, well, how flexible can I be? Yeah. That student that comes forth and says, Hey, I've got this problem and communicates with you. It's like, okay, 
we can, we'll work around this. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to do, whatever it takes, but the ones that just do nothing, it's really hard. You know, and I think, I think that's the key. It's just like, if we're talking about tips for students, I know that's down the road, but it's like communication. This is a communication industry that you're coming into. And it's going to be really important for you to communicate with your instructor, faculty, staff, whoever it is, um, in order to, you know, to kind of get through your situation. It kind of forced them to do that. I would also add timely because Mm -hmm. sometimes like if a student had an issue, the ones who came up to me right when it was happening or within a week, I would cut them to the break. But if somebody came in to me like, a few days after grades were due at the end of the semester is like, why am I hearing yeah. about this now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is like two months after Absolutely. the fact If you would have told me about it, but now I have to like, it just becomes like moot, you know? So it's just like a communication in a timely manner. Then yeah. I'm more, more um, yeah. I have to give them a break. It's kind of interesting that the only way they can get you is electronically is through one of these communication tools that we're using. And I almost think that that kind of forced them. Cause I, I was, just as surprised as you guys that some of the communication I got from them, particularly like you're right, uh, uh, a lot of communication and timely really surprised me. Like we, cause I think t- t- typically they wait till the end of the class. They want to come up and talk to you and it, they might be not the best communicator live, but wow, what a difference we saw here virtually. And, and the stuff that, you know, they're communicating, it's not easy to do. You know, I mean, I, I had more students with deaths in the family and and sicknesses and, I mean... Challenges. And we're yeah. all, yeah, I mean, job situations. I mean, we're all humans. And I think, you know, in terms of, it's tough because, yeah, I mean, we're just talking about design. And when we think about life and all these bigger questions, it's like, yeah. you know, where, where do you draw the line with some of these things? And, and being understanding versus, you know, still trying to set them up for success in the professional world and, and all those things. It's, it's a really fine balance, but like you guys have all said, I think communication is the biggest part, even though it's really tough. I think the students know that we care genuinely about them, you know, and, and just making them feel comfortable about reaching out is just, it's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Building those relationships so they feel comfortable to come to you, I think is a big part of that too, you know, Yeah. You know, in terms of babysitting, I, I, we weren't uh, able to enforce a, an attendance policy. I'm sure it was similar for everyone here, um, something along those lines. Um, but because we were not able to enforce a, a normal attendance policy, um, I instead en- graded engagement. And so if I saw engagement in class, if I saw engagement on the message boards, mm-hmm. Um, if I, if of course I saw engagement in terms of turning things in, <laughs> um, and in online critiques because we were using a, a online critiquing system, um, that if I saw that engagement, you didn't, you you don't need to have an attendance um, mm-hmm. policy in order to show that this person has been engaged and in your class, and so I think that that was as much babysitting as I was willing to offer. I did not offer babysitting. Um, I, I offered an ear if it needed to be lended to hear concerns or um, problems or any need that a student had. And if that was communicated to me, of course, as uh, Matt mentioned, that's not really babysitting. That's mm-hmm. that's being a, an instructor. Um, but in terms of babysitting, I don't feel like I really, you know, if a student 
again, I'll use Matt's term ghosted. Um, I had a few of them at the very beginning of the semester that seemed to think that they just didn't have to go to classes at all. Right. Um, didn't have to show up for anything. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this room. And for all of those students, the university had a way of accounting for those students who did not attend and who were not there. Um, and so I just put their names in the system and let that be that. Um, but I didn't have time to sit there and wait for people to show up into a Zoom room. Yeah. I, I got to say, that's a great way to, I love that idea of not creating attendance at all. And, and I don't Zoom. ever want to do it again. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very much stealing that. I will put your name on my syllabus. Because <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. It shows, up work, it shows up in the work regardless. You know, if they're, if, exactly. they're, yeah, if they're engaging, it, it shows up in every other possible scenario. Oh, yeah. You know, for An sure. attendance policy is a privilege. And yeah. if we are holding that up as the thing that we are interested in, yeah. Yeah. I got to say that doesn't, that doesn't uh, track with a lot of the agency work that I've yeah. ever been employed doing. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to slow clap Mina. <laughs> Cause that's, that's brilliant. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I totally agree. That was great. I, I, w- I was once asked if I, they were like, I said something about someone not being at the last meeting and they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I take role. And they're like, you don't take role. I go, I screen cap the, um, the participant thing. And, and here, here's the best part. I don't, but I didn't, I don't, but I didn't need to, I didn't need to you this there. That was one of the silver linings is, you saw them, even if it was just their tile and they didn't go live with their camera, at least, you, and then I'd call, I would, in discussion, I'd call somebody out like, hey, Robert, what do you think? And whatever. And you got their participation more naturally. And I felt like I had a visual idea of their engagement. If you ask me any time of the semester, how was student, you know, A, uh, with their engagement? I can, I can tell you because it was live. It was, it was more memorable because of this. And and I got to admit, too, having names to faces from day one, was that not the best thing in the world? By far the best yeah. one. I By finally far. knew every student's name. My class that I had in person, which was all freshmen, people I've never met, everybody had a mask on. I swear wow. I do not recognize them when I see them on campus. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, were you in my class? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I feel like a total jerk about it, but I'm like, I just yeah. have no I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but I yeah, felt I like the masks... The math also kind of brought down conversation mm-hmm. and participation within the class totally. thing too. Like oh. I had, I had a class where, you know, we're kind of going around the room and I felt like I was tracking and mm-hmm. this girl asked a question and I go back and I respond to her and I'm looking right at this girl and she kind of <laughs> looks at me like, it was the girl behind her that had asked the question <laughs> and I just couldn't like, I couldn't see their lips moving or yeah. anything. And there was no, you know, you're only seeing this much of facial exactly. expression and everything else. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was, even being in class had its challenges too. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. What I'm curious to know what what you guys did with your projects, and I think that was going back to some challenges. I looked at my typical curriculum and said, "What could I do? Can, should I change? Should I alter?" Knowing that we were going to not have any live, you know, one on one time, let's call it. Did you guys make any changes up front, or did you make any ad- adaptions in the middle? With your projects in general? I had a lot of my projects do digitally, like through Adobe Dimension or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the students that still wanted to turn them in, uh, um, like do physical elements to it, then they got extra credit for those elements. Oh, good. Okay. Um, Because I still, I like like the engagement of physical activity and tactile stuff. Yeah. Um, So I still wanted to give, but again, some students were in 
some small town in some state somewhere and they didn't have access to a Staples or FedEx Kinko, mm-hmm. whatever they're called now. So I didn't make it an overall requirement, but um, that was my main pivot was to accept more digital elements than I did in the past. Did, did you look at the scope of projects prior and either adapt, shrink, or condense them? Because that, I think so, that was my, I had one or two projects that are just so robust that like, do, can it happen virtually? And I made changes. That's, I, I guess, more or less, like, did you look at those beforehand? So one of the big projects that we have in the fall semester for the seniors is a packaging project. Mm-hmm. So that one was pretty easy to kind of like pivot into try to create something with dimension. Some yeah. people had, had never touched um, dimension or some people couldn't find the right package for wow. whatever they were trying to do, bottle or box or whatever it is. Yeah. So um, either they found somebody, found a way to create it in Maya or something like that, or they did it all um, traditionally. Um, but, uh, but yes, that was the, that was the main thing. Okay. What about See, you guys? I think for me, um, the biggest change was actually setting up expectations differently. So I, one of my main goals was like to try to keep as much of it as the same as possible, just so I didn't feel like they were getting cheated on missing out on, on some things, but it was really just making it clear that it's going to be a lot easier if you dedicate these bigger chunks of time to working, you know, when you're working at home, it's easy to get distracted. You're, you know, watching TV or you got to go do the laundry or whatever. Um, But, you know, making sure that they knew that, okay, if you spend four hours of work time, that's going to feel a lot different than if you spend like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here. So setting up those expectations of like how much they should be working and, and really giving them some advice on that seemed helpful. Um, We also did a lot more on just, uh, finding ways for them to connect outside of the like classroom. Like we set up a discord server so that they could have conversations and stuff without, you know, any specific classes or anything like that. So that was another kind of pivot was just giving more opportunities to connect, you know, just like you would walking down the hallway and bumping into somebody or, or things like that. So, um, but other than that, really tried to keep it the same as much as possible. Yeah. The thing that I did, which I will do for the rest of my teaching career that I absolutely love was I offloaded all technology teaching to asynchronous and online. Mm -hmm. So because typically I do freshmen, I have to do Photoshop Illustrator. I have some tech heavy classes in the spring. I've got a a, a motion design class, which I basically teach as like a cinema class, like movie making. So they do premiere and after effects. And in the past I would do a demo and I would stand up there and 60% of the students already know it. So they don't care. 40% of the students need to know it, but half of those aren't really good at like right now in time, fast, fast, fast. They want to. So I was like, all of the students at RIT have access to LinkedIn learning, which is what Mm lynda.com became. And I made an outline. I made a very specific little thing. Like you need these seven things today. They have an assignment, like using that tech. That's like a really quick, like a sprint, like a little one hour thing. It's due at the end of the class period. I gave it to them on like the weekend before. And I said, this is due. Here's what you need to know. Go. I'll be available if you need any questions. And this is due on Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And it was amazing. Wow. Great idea. All the overhead. That's awesome. In front of class, like not really caring, them not really caring. Me feeling like I got to teach Photoshop, you know, it just all went (laughs) away. And I got to tell you, it was phenomenal. It was something that I've always threatened to do. And then when I got tenure, I'm like, now I can really do this. (laughs) And I really did it. And I got to tell you, it was amazing. I'm irritated at my at old Mitch for not having done it earlier. It was great. Highly recommend yeah, it. I completely agree. 
Yeah, I, can, I, I will hand anybody my stuff. If you guys want any of this stuff I hand out, Please shoot do. me an Thank email you. or whatever. I'm happy to share it. Yeah. We'll take you up on that. Share it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I totally agree. There are some there are some parts of all of this that I will absolutely move yeah. forward with and take with me um, during you know for the foreseeable future. Face to face instruction, you know whether or not I'll, I'll retain an, an attendance policy and what that if I do, what that's going to actually look like mm-hmm. um, in terms of doing uh, demos. What is that really going to look like if I choose to do something in class? Um, I, I completely agree, Mitch. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. It was it was a it was a game changer for me. Yeah. It opens you up game. to be able to talk about concepts, to be yeah. able to like mm-hmm. actually actually dive into the the ideas behind the work as opposed to talking about the technology. Exactly. Great. It's it's probably a a, a a great way to look at it because they're already engaged. They're already atta- on the screen all day long. You gave them just one more thing, maybe to tap tack onto that day, the demo. And I found that anytime I gave them one of those instructional videos, they watched it, they learned, and they came back with some some pointers. And I love that, like because you, you they were already there, they're already on screen. Yeah. You can tell that they watch them too because yep. the work yes. looks like they watch them, <laughs> and yeah. they they'll even tell you they could rewind, they could go back, mm-hmm. they could pause yeah. and deal with life and come back to it. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll never, yeah. I'll yeah. never. Do- we have an enormous deaf and hard of hearing population at RIT. We have like the second biggest population after Gallaudet in Washington. And what's great about the LinkedIn stuff is every single thing is captioned. Yes. Every single thing has a transcript. Oh, yeah. I'm like pissed at old Mitch for not Like I'm legitimately <laughs> irritated with myself. <laughs> it's, a whole- it's so much better. <laughs> I love it. And, and again, it hits to this idea of the students having agency in their education. Mm-hmm. Like I am not going to stand over you. If you don't do it, you're welcome to suck if you want to. I mean, that's up mm-hmm. to you. Um, but they, as far as I could tell, they all did it or they all knew it enough where they didn't actually need to do it, which is just as good for me. Yeah. That they already are there and they're ready for the tech. So go ahead, Gerald. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I was just going to say like, it just frees up so much more time for the things that we really can make more of a difference on, you know, giving feedback, having conversations, small group reviews. I mean, I was kind of doing something similar to where, any lecture or uh, demo, especially demos are so much nicer to do that way that they can rewind it and, yep. you know, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. it just seems like the most value they get from us is feedback and mm-hmm. conversations and stuff like that. So Mina, I'm sorry for jumping in. You go ahead. No, that's fine. I, <laughs> I was going to say, um, I didn't actually, uh, in terms of adjusting or changing the curriculum, I, I didn't change the amount of projects that I had. Um, I, I, what I did do though, is open up the, um, the, the type, the project, um, topics so that, um, students could, uh, if they needed to have a cathartic experience, they could do it. Um, but they could start to reflect more topical issues into, and content into, um, the work that they were doing. So they would have that opportunity. And I saw that they really latched onto that. And I did that at the very beginning of the semester. And then as the semester went on, we were doing more, um, more other types of work yeah. that weren't topical. That was like a one, two punch. You not only are they working and getting involved into that project, but they're a lot, you, you're right. They're, you're allowing them to put a voice to it, do something that might've been something they really believe in. And this was a year to have it because of what, what, what kind of, uh, took place. I think that's a great way to look at it. I, I was asking them to be more impactful with their design. I think that was one thing I was really pushing for them was have a story, 
evoke a feeling and an emotion, change someone's perspective with the work you're giving, you're, you're doing. And I think in the long run, that's the stuff that will maybe shine from this year is what students did that was a little more groundbreaking and maybe a little more risk-taking. Whereas I, I, when I saw that and I saw them getting to choose things that they wanted to make the topic of that project, I do the same thing. Uh, I mean, I make sure they, 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 I give them this form, this kind of chunk of a project and they fill in what it's going to be, what the brand's going to be, who, what its voice is, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was really impressed with what I saw. And I think this, that's what they got out of this year, probably best more than anything. I think it's a balance too. I think when mm-hmm. you leave it wide open and say, Hey, you can do whatever you want with it. I think sometimes it's paralyzing for them because they don't <laughs> even know where to begin. Yes. But I think at the same time, when you open it up, like your passion shows through and, and if it doesn't, that's almost a red flag for me. Like if I'm saying yeah. you have an opportunity to create your own project and, you know, do whatever you want to do for subject matter wise, and they can't find anything or doing it. It's just kind of like, this, you're never going to have that opportunity when you get out and start working. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, hey, this is the, the client you have, and this is the sock packaging you're working on today, or whatever it is. Good luck. It's like, if you can't get excited <laughs> about the stuff where it's just open, wide open for you, then you know, I think that that's oftentimes a red flag, yeah. too. More and more, I'm giving prompts, not projects. I'm right. actually positioning to not giving any projects ever again. And <clears throat> prompts and letting that, see where that goes. That's a good idea. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe it might be the worst idea to add. <laughs> oh, no. we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back next year to take we'll next year. Yeah. <laughs> prompts versus projects. I love it. Mitch, what, what kind of prompts are you giving them? Um, well, I do freshmen, and you know, I'm the weirdo professor at RIT. Surprisingly. No. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Mitch and I go back. So I <laughs> yeah, and I know Nina for years. So, um, <laughs> you know, certain projects, like I did an information design class, and and the first project was like a poster, which is sort of project I did when I was an undergrad and I translated it and credited the professor. Um, and that was pretty straightforward. But the next one was, was essentially like watch a movie and make a thing. And it was really wide open and they analyzed the movie and they made wow. something. It was open. And what I'm finding is the reality is most students do it. A couple of students have a really hard time and there's one or two students who just cannot wrap their head around independent thought. And that's not an insult on them. I think that's fine. Not every designer has to be some like avant-garde, you know, Black Mountain College person, right? But that's how I teach. And I have decided to not pretend to not do that. Like, that's not what I'm doing. Um, So stuff like that. I think for freshmen, um, you know, it was like we did this really long kind of process of just making a bunch of garbage. And then it eventually was like, okay, now make an album cover. Any music you want, anything you want. But, but I totally agree with what, what you guys are saying. Like, you can't just say do anything you want. Like, even for me, that is the worst project in the world. I can't do anything I want. I've got to have that restriction. And anybody who knows me knows I do a lot of stuff with obstructions and limitations and stuff. And I got to tell you, it's like, here's this thing. They look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? You're supposed to tell me what to do. And then I say, not going to do that. And then they get irritated and then they do it anyway. And it's yeah. almost always good. And, and I'm going to lean into that more and more. I, I think I, my ideal assignment sheet is one sentence long. Yeah. I haven't gotten <laughs> I there that. yet, but like that's yeah. my fantasy assignment sheet. It is literally a single sentence. It's funny you mentioned that because the one project I always re- have remembered from my school years was a project very similar to that where the guy goes, here's a laundry list. Go to the hardware store. It was like buy yeah. phone for dowels 
and black spray paint. And oh. we come back and he goes, make the most dynamic thing yeah. you can. Yeah. And awesome. then we do it all. And then well, the next week he goes, we buy it again. He gives us the list. Yep. And we're like, what are we doing? Now he goes, make the most static thing you can make. And yeah. I was like, what? Like, and yet I remember that more than any other project. Yeah. So Jarrell, my, my spring class is 2D2. So it's the second half of 2D1 from mm -hmm. the freshman. And I can tell you right now, one of my projects is make the worst thing you can possibly make. <laughs> Just get it and out of the way. And that's it. That's the project. <laughs> get it out of the way. Yeah. And, and oh, interesting. Wow. Like what I want them to do is make just a horrible piece of shit. But what they end up doing is taking a topic that is the worst thing they can think of and then making a beautiful piece about how horrible this topic is. Which is, another, which is almost like a different assignment than I'm planning on, but it's really interesting that that's where they go to. That's super How do you grade that? If it's, if it's too good, you give them an F? Uh, no, I agree. To, I agree. Here's a, okay, this is a really <laughs> interesting Because I got to tell you, I'm a pretty decent teacher, but I am an awful, horrible grader. I have no comprehension mm. about grading. So I grade them on how many risks they take, mm. frankly. Yeah. I actually don't care about the outcome. Um, and, and I've been slammed for that in the past, but like I am grading on process and decision making. Mitch, and do they know that up front? Oh yeah. Good. Okay. And, and, and to amazing. your question, Nick, I think they need to know it more. I yes. think I need to be yeah. very, 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 very clear about that. You have to I think, drop it a few more times, right? Yeah. And I think grading for me would be a lot easier if I had a very specific laundry list of here's what I'm grading on versus a sort of abstract. Do you have a rubric? Cool shit. You know, you would think. By like 15 years of teaching, I would maybe think about doing a rubric. Yeah, I do, but it's so like kind of up in the air. It, it's really, it's like my worst thing as a teacher. Like it's, it's my biggest Achilles heel. Um, and it's a tough one too, because I, I think, do you guys have that conversation with your students? Like, I don't care about the grade. I don't, I, I want right. the engagement. I want the risk taking. I want those things. So you're right. Like I almost want to change my, my score sheet base, basically is 10 categories, one through 10 for each category. And they know this up front, but the, the weight of it really is not so much the end result, but it is the, the, the journey through there. Did you take the risk? Did you, did you look at something and reevaluate it on your own? Were you your own art director? I always tell them that like you, you, I shouldn't be babysitting. I shouldn't be over your shoulder with this stuff. I know the hardest thing to do is look at your own work and be, and like, and analyze it right. And make it better. But when they do that, those are the, those are the bigger points. So if that's my way of pushing them, cause they still care about the grade, like right. at the end yeah. of the semester, I'm always asked like that, like, is there extra credit, whatever? I was like, what, why are you guys? So like, what is the grade thing? I, I, exactly. I don't get it. So at least push them in the right direction. And I love that idea about risk being the best thing. Yeah. Trying something new. Like yeah. you're here to learn things and try things that you don't know how to do as opposed to, oh, I know how to do this, so I'm just going to play it safe, and I'm going to design the same thing, same style. So it's like, you know, try things. I often, it's like I almost want to deduct points when a student <laughs> asks me, like, so what, what do you want me to do? Ah. Like, oh, you know, oh, it kind of goes back oh, to a yeah. mission. Like, you ask me that question, I'm going to deduct points. You That's should be telling me one. what you know needs to be done, yeah. what what you need to do to make the project better. Like what's not working. What you answer those questions yourself. You know, you've got an opinion and I have, you know, more often than not, it is an opinion, you know? Yeah. So I, I often have the students, um, they need to tell me and show me who their, who, who their work is for and how that person uses it. 
So um, they need to have research, they need to have interviews, and they need to have some sort of data to um, back up the work. And the risk-taking and the uncomfortableness of all of that often comes down to the beta testing or the the um, the interviews that they conduct with these people. And and these days, the interviewing and the um, A B testing has been so much easier because we are we are digital. So yeah. it yeah, it, it's been a lot. Um, it, it's almost been uh, conducive to that kind of um, data uh, procuring, but. Um, that is a is an integral part of the the grades, and they know that. If I'm talking, if they're pre, if they're presenting work, and it is for a, a particular client, and they're showing personas that are all uh, maybe uh, one type of person, and it's I'm not seeing that type of client in there anywhere. If they're not discussing the life cycle of the product that they're talking about or they're presenting, those are, those are grades coming down and they know that. Yeah. Tell me yeah, why. I think the great thing is, is a little bit kind of like they, they come in with that mentality too. And it's hard to, you know, they, they need a certain GPA to stay in the program. They need a certain, so in their head, it's like, I need to keep, I need to keep a B. I need to, it's not a B minus, it's a B that I need to keep. So I've had students tell me, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help her with her project. I'm trying to tell her how she can make it stronger. And the only thing that she kept asking me was like, yeah, but I still get my C, right? Wow. I still yeah. get my C. Yeah. Because yeah. all she I wants need a 92 to do is make on sure she graduates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all she wants to do is make sure she graduates. And in Canvas, they have that thing where the students can go in and put yep. in what grades they need to get X grade. Yeah. So I, I, I've also come in and say, don't worry about the grade. Worry about the project. And, and they're, in the back of their head, it was like, Worrying about the project and it's good enough is not going to get me graduation unless, you know, A, B, and C happens. That's so, a system problem that's outside of our purview. I agree. Absolutely. Sure. I agree. Yeah. I've let my students grade themselves. Um, I tried that last year. I think I was pretty open about it on Twitter. And it was some ways good and some ways a total nightmare. But I think it was like, they were like, what do you mean I'm grading myself? Yeah. yeah. But, but like, there is something. Give yourself a grade and that's it. There, there's and I agree with them. Yeah. Even if you don't agree with it, even if you say grade yourself, a lot of times they're harder on themselves than that's you would be too. I found. Yep. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to do that and just say, yeah, just put a grade on it. It's not what, maybe, yeah. maybe it's what you get, maybe it isn't. But I'd love to hear your opinion on what you did, you know? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting too, thinking about that. I mean, I try to spend a lot of time figuring out what makes great work great and trying to communicate that to the students. And, you know, for all my grading criteria, I'm doing uh, concept design and execution are the three main things. And that's how we evaluate the work. And it's really interesting. Even we do a lot of critique exercises and, and comparing work and things like that, but then also giving them opportunities to do that to themselves. So it's not necessarily that they're grading themselves, but they are spending time, you know, analyzing the work the same way that they would analyze anyone else's work that they might see or critique or things like that. And so it, it's tricky because yeah, the grades, you know, in reality don't aren't the thing that's going to get them the job or, or anything like that, right. but it is nice to have some kind of bar to say, just let them know how they're doing and, and, right. you know, hopefully give yeah, them some the, advice on because how to evaluation is super important. Right. Exactly. Is exactly. Incredibly important. A letter grade is utterly meaningless mm -hmm. other than to their parents and to their scholars. <laughs> <laughs> the only two places that matter. Got it true. Which gotta, make, gotta make mom happy. You know? Exactly. Gotta keep those mom are happy. legitimate things to worry about. Like, I don't dismiss that. But at yeah. the end of the day, me summing you up in one letter is absurd. It's right. just an absurd notion. 
But like Mina said, that's systemic. That's not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That, yeah. Speaking of systemic, have you guys had to uh, consider or pivot? I, I've considered in the past, but not so much. It seems like this semester I had to do it more. So as as teachers, we follow this a certain kind of like semester schedule sometimes as th- it thinks. And as professionals, a lot of times we work on one project at a time or two projects at a time. But a lot of these students are taking five classes and they have to do four projects plus a term paper that are all due on the same day because apparently as faculty, we all hang out in the faculty meeting and decide <laughs> when all our projects are being due. That's what they think, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. But you guys don't do seems- that? <laughs> <laughs> we do it on Zoom now. <laughs> right? It seems like the, the, the workload of some of the students that they're getting trying to come up with a, a packaging project for me, an animation for the other class, a term paper for our history class, a print making uh, screen print for another class and I'll do on the same Thursday because we don't talk, we don't communicate as much as faculty as we need to probably. How do you guys handle that kind of stuff on your end? So I had all of my uh, student projects due on the same day every week at 11.59 p.m. So that they always knew that was the day. If they had a project that they were working on, then that was the day it was going to be due at 11.59 p.m. So, so yeah. it, but you isolated and you, you gave them that tip to say, here's what you need to know from my class. Everything else is your responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And they get a schedule at the very beginning of the semester yeah. that has a calendar um, stating exactly when projects are going to be due and like, what days, but it was always the same time of day. And I, you know, I did that because I don't know who's sharing a laptop with a sibling who might be virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so. the work, the workload stuff is, it's so tough because yeah, that is a, you're right, Vic, there, there's so much going on in, in the different classes and that's, that's an incredible workload. I guess for me, the thing that I've tried to do is uh, each week have deliverable goals. And so it's they're getting graded based on just making progress and keeping up with the timeline every week. Because, you know, if they've got something that should take six weeks and you don't have a, you know, the only thing they're turning in is at the end, they're waiting until, you know, the last right. day, the night before it's due and trying to stay up all night and, and really not being mm-hmm. healthy healthy in terms of how they're setting up their work and, and all that. But yeah, that's, that's a tricky one for sure. Managing that workload is tough. I'd say time management, time management is probably the most important thing we can teach Mm -hmm. all of these students. And I think it's the hardest thing to teach for a lot of them too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that they're going to use regardless of what they end up doing in life, like managing your time and, you know, and to an extent understanding that that also is going to lead into work-life balance for a lot of those students um, it's one of the most important mm-hmm. things I think that we can, we can try and teach them. So I mean, what, what students would do, um, for, for my class, for instance, would they, it would be, um, uploading, uh, in progress, uh, work, like they would just stop where they are, upload JPEGs or PNGs or whatever it was. Um, and we would set up, uh, um, like a, a Miro board. Mm-hmm. And then we would have an in-progress um, feedback conversation. I would put them in breakout groups of uh, two to three. Um, I would hop through each breakout group and give feedback. And then we would select one person to everybody as a team, um, give feedback, you know, as we're culminating the cor- the class time. But those, it, it, you're absolutely right. Those m- moments where they're having to... Um, they're having to manage that time and 
use that time to show progress as opposed to um, just putting it all into one giant bucket mm-hmm. at the very end of the project, which isn't healthy. Um, I think it was, you know, partly the schedule of making sure we were having these in progress milestones is what I would call them yeah. um, to have that little bit yeah. of feedback as we went through. I, I do yeah, the I same where I have homework every every session and they know what's there due and all they are are checkpoints along the way of that project. And so projects slightly overlap. What I'm learning is overlap, overlapping the projects is a good thing. It really gets them a more, even if they're balancing so much other stuff from other classes, I want my class to, let's face it. We all want our class to be the priority, right? Like the last thing you want them to say is, Oh, I didn't get this in time because I was working on another project. I'm like, that's the last thing you want to say to an instructor, you know, where, and I'll, I'll point the finger at me. I'll be like, where did I go wrong? Why, why didn't, why isn't mine the priority with them? Sometimes I will say, so what I've learned is I give them these but very small checkpoints every session. And going back to what you said, Jarrell, is that they, they can't procrastinate. And if they do, it's going to show like a hundred percent at the end that you did it all at the end. And guess what? They, then your grade and your engagement and everything else is so little, you didn't learn anything. You didn't take those risks. So I, I, that's how I push most of my, my, my education with them is like, do it along the way you should, I was the procrastinator. I waited till the very last minute in every school project and got by, but I don't want them to get by, you know, I want them to have stellar stuff. See, this is interesting because Mm -hmm. I actually don't agree with what you just said, Nick. Mm -hmm. I think students should decide which projects matter and which don't. I don't think because they have five classes, all those classes should get the same amount of care. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think that a lot of what school is about is learning what you don't care about Mm -hmm. as well as what you do. And I have been the teacher where they're like, this class is stupid. I'm not going to care. And I, I mean, they're not going to get an A. I allow that to happen because I'm fine if they realize they don't care about this kind of Mitch BS stuff that I'm doing in my class. <laughs> um, but that's what, it, but like to the question of the time management, absolutely everything you guys are saying, like milestones and, and bits and, you know, you can't just say it's the first day in 14 weeks of projects due. I'll mm-hmm. see you in 14. You know, that's not reality. But I absolutely tell my students, like, you have to decide what projects you care about. And you're not going to care about every single one of them equally. And yes, that sucks for someone. And yes, maybe teachers mm-hmm. might feel marginalized. And I, and I get that. But again, this is school. This is not professional practice. It is a, yeah. you know, I will die on this hill. They are not the same thing. And, and they are very, very different goals and very, very different realities. And I am fine with a student realizing that this X thing they're doing is just they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I, They are allowed to not care. They will take the consequences of that not caring which when you really break it out, it's like one class in one semester of four years. It doesn't really matter that much. But, but I, it's an interesting question because mm-hmm. when you're in work in professional practice, you're not doing you know, three projects for five different creative directors in three months mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I mean, you may be doing a bunch of, I see Mina's like thinking, like you may be doing a bunch of stuff, but you know what I'm saying? It's a totally different environment, yeah. right? There are no clients. And this thing where the teacher's like on the client is just such bullshit. I don't even want to talk about that in this conversation. (laughs) You know, that's not what it is. You know, and even if you do have that many, you say you do have that many clients or whatever, and you have that many projects that you're working on in your private practice, you're not giving as much (laughs) to one or the other. I mean, there is an ebb and flow. So that's how I've been. That's also a risk. I think that That is a risk. You you also, (laughs) when you don't give your 100%, then that client, 
Yep. Yeah. You know, and just as Mitch is saying, like, you, you know, you're just not going to get that kind of grade that you might need if you're not going to give the kind yeah. of, exactly. you know, yeah. you know, what's I interesting? I, I tend to listen. I've been listening a lot to my alumni who are out and the jobs that they're finding in this, in our area, in the LA area, there's so many of these younger companies that aren't established. It's the only opportunity they're finding and they wind up being there and they're kind of like wearing 18 hats the day they start. And it's not like the first jobs that we might've had where it was a little more, you had a mentor and you had someone that was you know, responsible for timelines and things. And you were just this junior designer, but a lot of them are finding that's the kind of reality that's out there. And a lot of times what I'm trying to do is just make sure that they do understand time management to that point where, yeah, Hey, something might go to the back burner, but don't, allow that one to fall without telling someone about it or keeping communication yeah. alive yeah. that that's been done. That's, that's not the priority right now. So a lot of times what I'll ask them in class is like, Hey, I know you're struggling with a lot. Did you look at a calendar? Did you figure out that maybe that project can go two days behind because it's not due till next Tuesday, you know, or giving them those tools. But our, the reality of these jobs that they're finding are just, it's just a nightmare. I mean, and that's if they found something you know, that's a whole other topic, but, uh, I don't know about what you guys are seeing out there, but it's just, they're, they're not, they're they're not learning, you know, in a lot of them. I think it goes back to communication too, because with, with me going back into the question about workload, um, I've gotten projects, I've had projects where I I'm kind of, it's not happening and I'm running behind for whatever reason. I have to ask a teacher, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a client to give me, can I move, can I get a couple more days to finish this illustration or whatever it is? And I've never had a, a client tell me, no, you can't have, they usually give me the other things. So if a student asks me, I've had, uh, we, we had a sprint, which the sprints aren't worth a lot, but all, but it's fun for the students. I had one student tell me, it's like, Hey, I'm not in this animation class, but I know a lot of my classmates have a project, a big animation project due on that Friday. Do you think we can move it to, to like Monday or Tuesday or something like that? I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't want to, I'm not going to grade it until Monday or Tuesday anyway, so why not? So it, it becomes like, I think Mitch talked about it earlier on in the conversation, the onus falls onto the students, and if they need a little bit more time, if they ask for that time, they might just get it, because right. that gives me a little bit more time not, not having to deal with <laughs> the grading of said project. Let's right? be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have to address what we're actually asking them to be. Are we asking them to be beholden to our rules or be professional? Mm-hmm. If the answer is be professional, which it probably is, um, yeah. what Vic's saying is I would prefer a student to come to me and say, I need two more days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I have two sections of the same class and the next class comes in the next section says, I heard you push back the deadline. <laughs> For, yeah. the, for that class. So you're going to do it for us? So it was like, no, they asked. You haven't yet. So yours is still going Friday. Yeah. And then they eventually ask and everybody's happy. But um, yeah, all they have to do is communicate and take the onus. What do you guys think is the, the, the be- I'm looking at like talking to all these students that one have either graduated through this time or are still in school right now. What kind of advice do you, if you were in their shoes, what would you, what would you be doing on your own as a student? Uh, it, be it you have the, the greatest teacher and they're giving you all this great stuff and everything, but like, what could they be doing to get this transition into real world and to maybe once they've graduated and the job market, what kind of advice do you think specifically this class, these, these people in school right now should be getting? Self-care. Mitch. Yeah. 
Self-care. Screw everything else. Self-care. Sleeping, eating well, attempting to get outside and exercise once in a while. Sounds like a stupid answer, right? Yeah. I think that is so mind-bendingly important right now. I cannot properly- It touches everything. It touches all it of It touches everything. Yeah. Um, I know students who are beating themselves up every day because they don't have a job interview. I know students who are beating themselves up because they slept for three hours and I only should have slept for an hour and a half because I have, it's, it's oh, absurd. It's yeah. abusive. It is toxic in so many ways. That's honestly no joke what I tell my students because they understand job. They, they get it. They need mm -hmm. portfolios. They need to, you know, they understand the mechanics of- That's always been there. To give you money. They've always been there. But like, yeah. they don't understand they're allowed to take a day off. They just can't get that. Well, what do you mean? I'm in the semester. I'm not allowed to take a break. Oh, you most certainly are allowed to take a break. That's my thing. And I tell my students that constantly. How many of us um, do not have spring break next semester? Yeah, me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have like we two not days have off. The university, the university <laughs> is not having spring spring break. Correct. Okay. Yep. Oh, because good question. Have, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. As of right in, now, we do, but I okay. will be surprised if it holds. It'll be one-on-ones all week. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got pushed back to the end of the semester so that we don't return after yeah. spring break. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Same with us. I mean, we don't have it. Yeah. Okay. So um, just going on what Mitch just said, the university even is yeah. saying they're peppering in wellness days. They're called Absolutely. wellness days. Yep, exactly right. the same thing. Yep. No spring break, wellness days. They, they're telling the students and the teachers and the staff and Great. administration, everybody, you need to take a day to chill. And I, I think what Mitch is saying is absolutely right. Now, that's not, that's not how I live that when I was coming Correct. up. And I mean, that is absolutely not what I did. Um, I spent three days and nights learning to code on my own in, you know, the early 2000s so that I could, I could sh shine at an interview um, for a government agency. Uh, and that was, that was my choice. Mm -hmm. I didn't sleep. I paid the price later and I didn't do great on the interview because I didn't sleep. Exactly. <laughs> and, and there's this kind of, I'll say sort of machismo, like, oh, I, I did it all night, you know, which is absurd. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And, and I which think really, that which really means you're bad at time management. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, you look on, and I mean, we all know how awesome Twitter is, right? But like, you look at the toxic shithole that Twitter is. Yeah. And people, like, I will say this repeatedly about self care, and people give me an attitude. Like, well, I did all nighters and I got this amazing job. And I'm like, you didn't get an amazing job because you did all nighters. Mm. <sighs> you did yeah. got an amazing job despite doing all nighters. Yeah. And so I think that we just need to, to change that entire this like toxic mythology is just repulsive to me. But that being said, reaching out and communicating and, and talking to people that you don't know, people that you want to work with, people who are interested in hearing what they have to say. And if there's any, any chance of a conversation, having that conversation, oh, yeah. if there's any chance of an mm -hmm. interview, taking every last interview, even if you're not sure about the job, um, that was the best thing that I could have done. I, I was coming up um, at a time when we were in a recession and I was looking to newspapers and circling job of, you know, the circling interview possibilities. And it was, you know, going through the classifieds, it was very, very hard and um, I had no money. And, you know, you're just trying to do what you can. I feel for these students because I understand that. But what, one cool thing, too, I mean, as dark and scary as the times are right now, and, and even 
things in the market are a little bit questionable and all that, but the idea that they can now work anywhere and it's opened up so many more possibilities of, of people they could reach out to and new connections they could make. And, you know, so if you can try to find a little bit of light in, in this whole, Mm -hmm. you know, dark situation, it it can really be helpful. And, you know, I, I definitely, Mitch, I echo your, your thoughts on taking good care of yourself. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard because it's like, you do have to put in the time, you got to work hard, but without taking care of yourself, nothing else really matters, you know? And I think, trying to find purpose in your work, find a, trying to find joy or, or cause of, of trying to do what you're doing. Like, you know, for me, even, you know, helping out local businesses just because, or, or, you know, finding little things that keep you motivated outside of just like, I have to do the work uh, seems to become more and more valuable too. And I also want to mention, Mitch, um, you, you're saying self-care above all things that there's a, there's a fallout from not, caring for yourself. Um, that includes making bad decisions and possibly taking positions or jobs that are not on the path of the career that you want to be on. Absolutely. And if we're doing that out of desperation, um, because we are tired and hungry and we're not taking care of ourselves, um, if we if we have the opportunity, not all of us do have the opportunity, let's just get that out there. Mm-hmm. Not all of us are afforded the opportunity to um, to, 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 to strike on a, a, a position that is right for us at mm-hmm. the time that we want to. But if you do have that opportunity um, to take care of yourself and look for the position that is right for you, that remains on the path that you want to be on, I think that is another important thing about self-care. It's going to keep you making the right decisions. For sure. I had a student find a job late at the end of this, uh, this spring semester, um, right in the middle of like everything's happening. And he reached out to me and told me, he's like, uh, you know, I got a job, Vic, I got a job. And I did what you said. And I was like, oh, crap, what did I say? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> like, what now? And one of the things I, use, I, I tell the students a lot of, about when, when I ask them for a project, because I was like, I always ask you for this, but I expect you to give me that, right? I expect you to give me a little bit more than I asked you for. So he's like, that's what I did. I went in and they asked me to do like one of those test things that some people make them do. And... Um, they asked him for for like how to I forgot what it was some sort of layout something but he did a layout plus a few other things and when he presented it it was so so he's like that's what got me the job the I guess the person I was competing with just did exactly what they were told but by adding a few more things so to answer your question Nick I one of the things I I tell a lot of my students how to find a job how to keep a job is to make yourself. Um, Make yourself, uh, what's that word, like uh, necessary. Make yourself like um, non-expendable. Is that the word? So like mm-hmm. you, so you provide something that something else, somebody else might not be able to provide. And that is a little bit extra hustle. When they ask you to do something, you provide something else. Um, so that's one thing I always tell my students. Another thing is like, this seems to be the theme of today's conversation is like simple communication. Just like, unless I know you very well, or unless we're in the middle of like an email thread, mm-hmm. don't talk to a person like, like you've known them for 20 years and you're using the LOLs or whatever. Just like start a, start a converse, start an email with a proper greeting and a proper kind of body and a proper kind of like, um, you know, sincere, whatever. Um, as opposed to, I was, I was quoting a price for printing a few months ago. And the response I got from one of the people 
I understand she was probably like uh, sending it from her phone, but it was like if she was texting me with all these abbreviations, I was like, hey, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Good. And she, I'm like, I'm like a brand new client. I need to some have some sort of professionalism. So those are the two things like uh, communication and just kind of like the extra a little bit mile. extra hustle. Yeah. That's uh, every student that has been that successful in finding the job, like right out. I don't care how many years back you go. It's always that extra mile stuff. And it's right there in front of you. When they ask for something, maybe just take it a step further, adding in another application to what they're asking for or something, because you got to imagine what they're getting back from all these candidates at that point. You know, that's your chance to shine. That's your chance to maybe stand out a bit more at that moment. You know, you're just, you're just showing that you care, right? You, exactly. You're showing that you're excited about whatever this is and you want to do a good job and, and yeah. Yeah, you just care. Yeah. What I'm else? also a big believer in, in making your own opportunities. So I have mm-hmm. students come back and tell me that they, um, they can't find a job. It's been X amount of months. They're working retail to make ends meet, and that's totally fine. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. You have to do what you have to do. How has your portfolio changed in the past nine months since you graduated? Well, it's like, it's not, it's like I haven't really done much. I was like, well, that's, the, that's something you might have to consider. Again, everybody's story is different. Everybody's workload and family situations are different. But if you really want to be competitive with, with the students that are now a year on in, you're not only competing with the class you graduated with, but the new batch of students, yeah. you need to be evolving. You need to be constantly learning. And it's a, it's a balance because um, I understand you know, all the other responsibilities that we have to our, to our lives and to our families. But at the same time, if you want to break into something, you have to create the opportunities. You have to constantly grow. You have to constantly push yourself, whether you're in the classroom or you're not. Yeah. You're going to be competing with people that went to school. You're going to be competing with people that didn't go to school, but they have an amazing portfolio. And the people that are hiring are going to care about that, that, uh, that degree a lot of times. So um, how, are you, how are you creating opportunities? How are you making yourself a little bit more yeah. hireable? I, I've noticed a lot of a lot of students have uh, their schoolwork is still standing for them because they might have not have had a year or two of professional work to kind of start replacing the schoolwork in their portfolio. So what I've seen a lot of students do, and I've been encouraging them as well, is if the school projects are still in there two years later, you know, unfortunately, revamp them. They they are never ending. You can learn take what you've learned now. And, and, and make that the project you need it to be. I had one student that has been refreshing all of them with everything he's learned at his current job, but his current job doesn't have like the, they're not portfolio worthy, like, you know, case study style. And so it's so neat to see that these, they're taking it upon themselves to improve the work if that's still all they have in their book. So I'm glad you brought that up because you're competing yeah. against folks that might have had two years of experience and then unfortunately got laid off uh, you know, there's so many, the, who your com- competitor is, is such a vast group now, as opposed to years ago when it was pretty much, you can kind of guarantee who it was, you know, I even I tell my you, students that after, after they turn in a project, like if they did something in fall and they're building their portfolio in spring and they want to change that project, once mm-hmm. I grade it, once it's past me, it's on them. So they should never go to a portfolio review and, and somebody asked them, was like, why did you do that? I was like, well, Vic told me to. I was like, no, <laughs> I have no ownership whether your portfolio pieces. If you yeah. think I'm wrong, if you want to do a, a different way, that's on you. So you yeah. have to continue like building or take it out if you're not happy with it. But it shouldn't be an excuse that my teacher made me do it this way. It shouldn't be an excuse for a, I agree. For a, a piece in your portfolio. Yeah. 
that work that's in your portfolio too, if, if it's in there and it has been six months, eight months, nine months, whatever it is, and you're not excited to talk about it, take it out, mm-hmm. you know, or Revamp. change it so that you are excited about it. But Vic, I completely agree. It should never come down to, well, my instructor is, it's not my portfolio. It's like <laughs> when it walked out the door, this yeah. is on you. This is that's all your you. work now and you need to own it. And the last thing you should be saying is my instructor, this or my instructor, that this is your book. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, going back and taking a hard look at some of those projects, changing them, taking out, you know, they really should be showing the work that they want to be doing anyway. So if you're showing me logo design and that's not what you want to do, then that shouldn't be in your portfolio either. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's on them, I think, to an extent, you know, and I think that I always tell my, my students too, it's like, once you leave, I'm here, I'm willing to kind of give you yeah. feedback and that's it, but it's, it's your work at this point. So, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't have things that have been in there for, you know, three years that, that you had done. And if it's really good work, great, but it, it's probably could still be updated based on anything you've learned over the last three years. And speaking of work going stale, um, you know, I feel like if we're doing something every day, which is what I tell my students, do do something every day, little something. So, I'll, you know, for, for my practice, I do a 30-minute drawing. I draw something every day, right? Sometimes I post it, sometimes I don't. But being prolific um, is one of those things that can remind you, especially if you start to feel rusty and yeah. you're working that retail job um, and you're, you, haven't, you haven't really revamped that portfolio and it's been a while and you, you start to feel that, 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 that sort of nagging feeling in your gut about maybe you know, you're not good enough. Well, the, the matter of fact is you absolutely are. And sometimes it just takes getting back into the hang of things and creating something every day like you did when you were in school. And so taking 30 minutes and whether that's drawing or as Matt was saying, you know, if it's if your portfolio is showing logos and what you really want to be doing is, um, you know, user experience, um, do something that involves that thing that you really want to be doing for 30 minutes or however long every day. Get yourself a daily practice. And if you feel inclined to start posting, um, start posting that stuff online. Show it on your website. Show it on your Instagram. Show it on your LinkedIn. And it's at that moment that you start to get a little bit of that confidence if you're lacking it back, or you're starting to get that work that you really want to push in your portfolio right on in where it needs to be. Absolutely. Totally agree. Any, uh, wow, we're coming up about an hour and a half. This is great. (laughs) Any, any last words for anyone out there kind of struggling. I, I, I love your, your point, Mitch, as far as the healthcare and just self-care, because it, it is the nucleus of everything that we're, we need to be, uh, to, to perform and to succeed with all these other things, you know, um, any advice for them at that, at this point, if they're just struggling with not feeling like they got the right work, they are maybe kind of like frustrated with the job search. What's the last words of wisdom? Yeah. Cut yourself a break. There you go. <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Nobody very much knows what they're doing in 2020 for sure. And I suspect 2021 will be similar. Cut your, you're allowed Cut to screw up. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you honestly, I've been doing this for a while and I only screw up my job every single time I do it. So I think we're good. You're, you're allowed to mess up. I think we're good. <laughs> you know, like you're, just cut yourself a break. 
Yeah. And this is teachers too. Like I know faculty who are, who are freaking out about whether they're doing a good job or not. Like you're allowed to suck at this. Nobody is good at doing a pandemic. <laughs> so like we're allowed to learn, you know? And, and this career is a, it's a marathon, you know, it's not yeah. just a sprint. You know, I, I know I kind of sprinted when I was coming out of college and, and really just hustled, you know, far too hard and didn't take good care of myself and paying the price, you know, but uh, just making sure that you got your eye on the prize. This is the long game. If this is yes. what you want to do for your career and, and just keep putting in the time, being efficient with your time um, and trying to find purpose in the work. You know, if you can, if you can love and have fun doing the work, it's not work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add that if it's not working for you, if you are not feeling appreciated or if you see that, that it can be better for you in some way, don't hesitate and do the thing you need to do to make it better. Hell yes. Wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I would, yeah, I would say if I'm talking to students, it's communication. Like I just communicate with your instructor, you know, have conversations. If it's an email, if you, if you don't, you know, you can't do a zoom call or it's like, send me an email. If you do better face to face, then send me a message and say, Hey, can we talk? Can I call you? Whatever, but just communicate. You know, I think that's, that's the big thing. Um, I think they also, have a huge opportunity right now where um, there may be a lot of designers that they look up to or agencies that they want to work at or whatever, or companies they want to work for, you know, now's the time to reach out to those people. Like, I think that, you know, dating myself, but writing a letter and putting it in the mail and sending it off and praying that the person opened it, it's kind of a thing of the past to an extent, but you, you've got access to everybody. Like you could send a message on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you pick your social media platform and ask that person for 30 minutes of their time. Hey, I'm a student. I'm just graduating. I would love to just show you my work and get your opinion and get your feedback. And, you know, um, I've followed your work. I really like your work. You know, and just start a dialogue and you would be shocked at the number of designers and say, yeah, I got 30 minutes to help a student. You know, I'd love to sit down, do a Zoom call or whatever it is and have a quick conversation with you. I think that there's a lot of people that are willing to give back. And I think it's a huge opportunity um, that students, you know, it takes some gumption. You're going to have to send a message or send an email or whatever it is. But a lot of times those people are willing to help. And, um, and you never know where that opportunity is going to lead, you know, whether if that agency isn't hiring, they know of another agency that is, Mm -hmm. or they know of a friend or, you know, and I think, you know, wrapping those conversations up with thank you so much for your time, maybe writing, you know, a thank you note and sending it to them and asking them, Hey, is there anybody else that you feel I should reach out to, you know, to show them my work, do that, you know, follow up with those people a couple weeks later, maybe, maybe taking some of the feedback that you received and saying, Hey, thank you again for your feedback. Here's some of the changes that we discussed here at it. You know, it's just, it's a huge opportunity. Um, And I think that, like I said, I think that they have access to everybody right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing I would add too to all that is I think there's a sense that when you graduate, that's it for learning. It's like you should know everything that you that you need to know ready to go. And and as we all know here, it's untrue. As as designers were um or just people in general, we're like constant learners. So allow yourself the opportunity to, to to go back and relearn some things if you need to, take a course here and there, do a skill share if you need to. 
because I find that I that I need to to revisit a lot of things, whether it's YouTube video or even conversations like this. I'm going to steal so much from you guys mm -hmm. just based on this conversation. Half of Mitch's uh, uh, semester is a curriculum I'm taking. Um, so it's 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 finding community. You know, when they're students, they're they're surrounded by other like minded people. And in this classroom, whether it's on Zoom or, or and physically, a lot of times when they graduate, they don't have that that luxury anymore because either they can't find the job yet or the the place that they work for doesn't allow for things like that doesn't doesn't have that so it's it's finding a, a community where you can if you don't post it then you can share it with friends it'll give you mm -hmm. a, a positive feed or not positive yeah. but um uh, honest feedback in effort to grow that way so we so you're not designing in a vacuum so it's finding community allowing yourself to be a constant learner um because our industry is changing every day and the only way that we can keep up with it is to be constant learners. Yeah. So it's, it's, sure. um, it's knowing that it's not over once you cross that stage and get that piece of paper and shake that hand. It's, and that's you know, why Nick is going to do this teacher roundtable every week, right? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Two weeks. Cause we're going to, yeah, we need these. I'm not joking. All yeah, the notes and the, and the yeah. community. I think you guys nailed it by saying community. I mean, look yeah. at all of us, uh, technically I've never met any of you guys personally. And what we have, what we have built over the last year is pretty amazing. I don't know many other industries that kind of take this, uh, regardless of us being educators or not just this design community has been so overwhelmingly connected yeah. through this. Yep. Um, and what we get to share is fantastic. But what I'd love to say to every young designer, regardless of where you are with this is that you have picked a great industry to be a part of. I think we're showing our true colors and we're showing how much uh, each person wants to help the next in line more than anything else I've seen. When I share this with other folks, they just laugh and go, you wait, you're doing a zoom call with other teachers. I'm like, yeah, because we, we know each other and we're, this is what our passion is. And this is what anyone that works with us or as a part of us feels the same way. So I'm, I'm like, you, you pick the right thing. You're in the right zone. Don't, don't let this thing stop you. In fact, let it accelerate you. Let it take you, let it make you shine a little bit brighter because we know how competitive it is, but don't lose sight on the fact that uh, this, this community wants to talk. There's ways to talk and you got to find ways to do it because we're not in those real worlds. I'm missing conferences. I'm missing all those things more than ever this year, but we're making up for it. Um, so if it's if it's up to you to keep that network alive um, and just keep it going, that's all I can do. You know, and and it's incredibly diverse, and there is room oh, for everyone. Love that, great really? point. Yes, so true. Well, guys, this has been amazing. Look at us. This has been a really good conversation. <laughs> I love it. We'll we'll have to continue this maybe each quarter or uh, each semester just for fun. But Absolutely, I hope it's been yeah. uh, engaging. I hope it's been. Uh, educational to both teachers and to students and to folks that are just in our industries that not are, aren't either. Right. Like I think it kind of sheds a great light on what we're trying to do and, and, and uh, how open we are to kind of making sure this is continuing and moving on, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks Wonderful. for putting it together. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, to see thanks you so guys. much. Me and pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Thanks guys so much for being a part of this. This was awesome. Thank you, Nick. Great to see thanks you all. You Thank you so much. See everybody. That was great, guys. Perfect. So I got it all recorded. Um, we're going to do, I'll get the editing going for the episode, but um, 
as soon as it's up, I'll, I'll hand over everything to you guys. So you guys can kind of promote and get it out there as well. Um, hopefully it'll help a lot of folks, man. This was great. Hope so. One yeah, more absolutely. thing if I can add, because um, it, it, I didn't want to, once I thought of it, we were past that part of the conversation. So I didn't want to interject, but going back to engagement really quick, you can edit this back in and we're still recording Nick if yeah. you want. But one thing that, that has helped me, um, it's a stupid thing that has nothing to do with design, but I do take role every day, even though I don't really kind of, count it as much uh um but i got bored with roll like here here so i always have like a question of the day yeah and i thought the students were gonna hate it but man did they love it Ooh, and, they, and sometimes they're like are we gonna have our question and i was like <laughs> up. Uh, relax i'm working on it and the question of the day are something like um um upcoming holidays what's the one food you're looking forward to the most of the holiday um, and they'll tell me like if they're like something from like uh, uh, my culture doesn't celebrate Christmas, but this is what I want to be doing when I go back home or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, I haven't tried that. I'll try this. I'll try that. Um, if you if you have a pet, what's your best pet name? If you don't have a pet, what would it be? If you so those are like I want to name my 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 um, my dog Bob because I think it's a funny name for a dog. You know, that kind of stuff. So it, it takes like 15, 20 minutes sometimes in the classroom, but it's such an icebreaker. And um, since we're all virtually, it's people have really started looking forward to that. Yes. Silly little question. Love that. So just a, it had nothing to do with design, yeah. but just kind of like uh, to, to keep things going, people started looking forward to it. So. And I bet that gets the chat going like crazy too, because like to me, I, yeah. know, I make those notes of when, when chat goes nuts like, what did I just do? What, what was that? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a colleague who does that question digitally and it's great. Wow. And yeah. as soon as the students enter, they have to answer a question on a, on a Dropbox paper page. It's cool. Nice. Yeah. So, so sometimes the students are late and I see them on the chat. I was like, what's the question? What's I missed the question of the day. What's the, what are we talking about? And they're like, they try to chime in. So it's like, yeah, so there you go. It's well, a little cool. I mean, you're just, Attention spans are like you got 15 or 20 minutes of attention mm -hmm. and you got to do something different or something to break it up or whatever it is. Well, it's yeah. just a fun way to build a human connection again, oh, you know, like totally. just lacking in this environment so much. So just taking some time just to like chat about something silly is, is yeah. kind of a fun. Oh, and then you can bring it up to them in a reply to something else, you know, months right. later. And they're like, wow, they remembered. And it's because, because this, commu this communication is a little more memorable to me. It's, it's working. But it's, great. All, it's also con connecting students who haven't met each other either. So if two students reply oh, the same thing, yes. it's like, oh, I'm totally into that. Uh, what if, whether it's a game or whether it's a food, maybe when we get back to real life, we can go get the kombucha or whatever. It's there called. you go. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like, All right, yeah. Make friends, make connections. So yeah. that's Love wonderful. That. Excellent guys. Thanks again, everybody. This was great. I, I'm really happy. We've all got to meet and do this and uh, this should be great. I can't wait to put it out. Absolutely. So great meeting you guys. Thank you so much. Yes. Take care. I'll be following all of you on Twitter shortly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>